Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. When I saw the people in church today, I said, please, now one of you should come and take this service. Just spare me this trouble. <laughs> but the life of a believer is a life of obedience. It means that even when you don't want to, even when you don't feel like, even when you don't feel equipped to, even when you don't have the right words, even when you don't have the right scriptures, even when you don't feel that you're prayed up enough, you have been with God enough, you respond to the call. And in that response, God then comes true because it's not really about you. All you are is but a vessel for his words to come true. And so this morning, I just have a very simple word. Um, and this word is more for me because the truth is that what, one of the things that always happens to me is that every time I preach a word, every time I teach a word anywhere, whether, you know, in church or, you know, in the world, what then usually happens is that the enemy comes to attack me in that place. And the attacks will be very severe. It will test my faith. It will test my integrity. It will test my prayer life. It will test everything that I represent, every single thing. And so it's a constant battle to stay consecrated and to stay living out the very things that God has told me or taught me to teach and to preach. And so this time around, I'm catching in ahead of time. <laughs> Because over the last few months, he messed with my mind in a very terrible way. He messed with my mind to the point where I told people to take me off everything, everything. No signal, sermon, no prayer, no school of discipleship. It wasn't important what it was, but I was going to work every single day and delivering excellent work to the point of a promotion in the midst of my personal crisis. And so when I finally said, ah, okay, I think my break is over because at the end of the day, God is still God and I'm going to have to trust him that he's working out a good plan for my life. Exactly three days after that, someone that is like a brother to me dies at 45. And so, so this is just about a week since he died. And of course, the first, the natural thought was, that's it, I can't do this. There's just no way I can do this. And then I was reminded that this is what the enemy would have you do to continue to bring trouble after trouble, then I'm reminded that scriptures never said that God will give us a life without troubles. But what he said was that through it all, I'll be with you. And so for many years, many of us, we give up when troubles come and we are believers. We are like, but God, I served you. God, I prayed. God, I worshiped. God, I gave arms, you know. I did all of these things. I went for outreaches. I did intercession. I gave to the work of the Lord. So where were you when all the troubles came my way? Were you asleep? Don't you love me anymore? Does it not count for anything? And these are the conversations that I was having with God as I went through my own personal crisis. And then the Lord reminded me. He said it is exactly for that very reason that this trouble will not kill you. Because other people would go through this and they'll be dead. But it's because you served me that I will deliver you through the struggle. And so you're going to have to wait and walk through the process. You need to find a way to come into the future of what I've already done. You are still in the past and the present. I am in the future. And so when he said that, I said, okay. So that means I have work to do. It's a daily battle for me to renew my mind, for me to take control of my mind, take control of the thoughts of the enemy, the voices in my head that are telling me something contrary to what God has told me as I journey into the future of God. Because he's done it already. Say, before I was born, he knew every single second of every single thing that would happen in my life and in your life. And so the mind is the battlefield Every single day, when we wake up, um, by the end of the day, the jury is not out, it's not conclusive, but thousands and thousands of thoughts cross through our mind. Everything from every emotion you can think of, joy, pain, anger, grief, irritation, happiness. One second you're smiling and laughing, the next second the thought crosses your mind and you literally, your face will just change. Fear, disappointment, anxiety, it just goes on and on and on. Because the devil knows that 
if he defeats you in the mind, you're not going to have the strength to arise in the physical, in your body, to therefore win the battle. And that's why um, wrestlers and boxers, before a match, they'll be taunting you. They'll say things about you. They'll insult you. They'll look for your weak points and they'll keep speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking to the point where you are. They've won you before you even got into the battlefield, before you got into that ring. They've defeated you in the mind if you're not fortified in your mind. They will tell you what they will do to you, that they will humiliate you. They will give your bones to the dogs. They will insult you. That's literally what the devil does. So, and when the battle's with the enemy, you actually don't have a choice. It's, if I have a fight, you know, with PI now, for whatever reasons, right? One day I'll pick up my phone and say, do you know what, PI, can I have a conversation with you? I will go to her house. I will sit down. We'll talk about it. Maybe we'll get angry. Maybe we'll get emotional. Maybe we'll even shout on each other. But more likely than not, we'll leave that place calling a truce, right? We'll say, let's make an effort to fix our relationship. Everybody drop your weapons. With the devil, you don't have that choice. He doesn't, come, he doesn't accept truces. There's no truce with the enemy. So more or less, you are inside a battlefield that you didn't want to. You're not interested in fighting that battle. You, don't, you, you have no business with that battle. You won out. But he doesn't give up. And one of his tricks is that he's very patient. Very patient. At the time when you think the trouble is over, and then you go to sleep, then he goes almost like he goes to go and bring reinforcement and comes back in multiple of measures of that, you're like, I thought this problem was solved. I thought I had fixed this. I thought this was done. With the devil, there's no truce. So if you know that you don't have a choice, that the enemy is always going to come after you regardless of whether you like it or not, and he's not about to sit down and have any negotiations or discussions with you about the length of this battle, the weapons that will be used, how and when, you bring 10 soldiers, I bring 10, let it not be unfair. He doesn't have time to negotiate with you. He's coming after you with everything that he's got. Morning, noon, and night, he does not go to sleep. But many of us have gone to sleep on our duty posts because of the troubles of life. And so, do you know that one in four Nigerians right now are suffering from some kind of mental health disorder. One in four Nigerians, so that means literally, if we're 100 in this room, at least 25 people here have some kind of mental health disorder. And I'm not talking about, but it's the truth, PI. I am not talking about tearing your clothes and running on the streets. That's now a final stage where all medication and medical intervention has not been able to do anything about it. A lot of people in the Western world, they are, I'm sure those statistics are at least double. They go about their daily lives every day on their medication and they are able to function until they go off the meds. Many people need to be on those kind of meds, but thank God for the blood of, of Christ. Thank God. Thank God for it. And people don't say, how is that possible? Do you know that depression is a mental health disease? Do you know that anxiety is a mental health disease? Do you know that unnecessary fears and phobias is a mental health disease? Do you know? But we never want to say, God forbid. We are a generation of God forbid. Blood of Jesus, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Heidi. Thank you, Pastor Heidi. Thank you. It's the truth. I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm sure if I'd gone to a doctor this year, he would have just diagnosed me as a clinically depressed. Because how do you explain crying for six straight weeks? Quite frankly. At least this time around, I knew I was crying. <laughs> I've had the seasons of my life where I would cry indiscriminately when I was younger. And I did not know why I was crying. I would just feel like crying. There will be heaviness in my heart and I would just want to cry and I will cry. And after crying, I'll clean my tears and I'll carry on. Brush my hair, rub red lipstick and carry on my life. And I'll be like, nobody will see me cry. And people didn't know used to see me cry. So I was this tough chick, Badoski. 
day. <laughs> At least this time around, I know why I've cried. <laughs> but the doctor would diagnose me as clinically depressed, right? Because how else would you explain crying for six straight weeks? Did someone die? Now that somebody has actually died. <laughs> it's like, okay. I don't know what else to cry. I, I said my tears. I said to them, my tears are finished. <laughs> if it wasn't so serious, it would be funny. <laughs> Seriously. Because I was like, my tears have finished. I had a moment in the day when I was told that this man had died. I was in the office. I literally saw how people cross over from sanity to insanity. I was talking to P.I. and we were trying to pray because she knows the family. And I was shouting, I'm losing my mind. I wasn't just I meant every word of it. And I was saying it because I wanted someone to catch it and catch me. I was shouting, I'm losing my mind. And I saw how you can literally cross from sanity to insanity. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has experienced this. Am I alone, please? Okay. That's what the devil comes to do. He comes to, he comes to kill. He's not playing. He's not playing. And if he tries one and does not work, he will think again, what else can I do? What else can I do? Where else can I touch him? That we pain him. Where else can I touch her? They say there are only 300 psychiatrists in Nigeria. Is there any psychiatrist in the house? The whole of Nigeria, over 200 million people. Only 300 psychiatrists. So that means if you were to go and see a, a, a psychiatrist now, you'd be on a very long waiting list. Except you're ready to pay a premium for them to bump other people off. But then again, many of us do not even access the help that we need because we are doing God forbid. And indeed, God forbid. The, that's why now coaches have now stepped in as substitutes to psychiatrists. And that industry is valued at billions. And I'm sure everyone noticed that by 2020, when people were dealing with all kinds of obvious mental health issues because of the fear of COVID, that industry exploded in Nigeria. It's always been there in America. They've always, I remember 20, more than 20 years ago, about maybe I think I was about 22, I started following the likes of Anthony Robbins, and I'll come to that later. And I was just so entrailed by these people who had an understanding of how your mind works, and they'll talk to you, and talk to you about you know, all this motivational speaking, and good and solid things, good and solid things, until the Spirit of the Lord started to tell me, there's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And so that's why when they say, um, people would say things like, I don't want to go to a, um, a pastor for counseling. I completely disagree with that. First of all, there are only 300 psychiatrists. Who do you want to go to? There are not enough people, for starters. Secondly, it's only the word of God that changes. Only the word of God. Only the word of God. Only the, I, I say it categorically, only the God, word of God. Please note that I'm a certified coach. So I am not dissing the coaching industry. But I tell you up front, if you're not going to allow me use Christian principles and Christian framework to get you to the place where you need to go, then I'm not the right coach for you. And I'm quite happy to refer you to somebody else. I tell you that. And before we start the coaching session, I will tell you, leading up to this coaching session, please, I'll fast. And you too, you will go and fast. Because some of the problems you will hear, you, you need the intervention of God to be able to tell you what to do to help the person through that kind of dilemma. There's nothing in the textbooks that will teach you how to help the person through that crisis. Absolutely nothing. And when you think you have heard one, that this one I've heard, eh, this is the... You will hear another one that will blow your mind. So what do you do? If you're not careful, it will turn to gist. Hmm, what I heard today. Under the guise of trying to get counsel from somebody else to help you help the person. And that's how people's gist gets out. Do you understand? So it's only God that can therefore step in and tell you in a dream, in a vision, as you're talking to the person, what is required for them 
to go from where they are to start making those baby steps to where he would have them be. Do you understand? So, stigma, grief, all kinds of things. Suicide is on the rise, particularly amongst men. And I'm not exactly sure why. Because they know they talk. Mm, that's what Pastor I.D. said. Because our society have taught men that you've got to be stoic. You have to be a man. Be a man. You're not supposed to cry. And so we've then raised a generation of emotionally broken and unavailable men who are then raising other children in the same pattern. And they then become husbands to people. And your wife is crying about something, you have no words of comfort for her because you've not been taught to feel emotions. So we're dealing with all of these things, all kinds of insecurities because of the things that we see on a day-to-day -day basis. The state of the nation. I said to someone that living in Nigeria is like being in an abusive relationship. You know, you, you think things are not quite great, other people can see that it's an abusive relationship. Every now and then, they will buy you flowers. Every now and then, they'll buy you one perfume. Every now and then, they'll say, oh, baby, you look nice. You will stay on. You say, ah, is it better anywhere else? Let me just manage my own, not my own bad pass. Hmm? Everybody else can see how abusive this relationship is. Every now and then you get one good job. It's like, ah, things are getting better. Every now and then, one contract, you just want to let you enter your account like that. You're like, things are getting better. This country has the ability to make a person go mad if you're not careful. I said to someone, your Christianity is not tested until you live in Nigeria. <laughs> it's not. Until you leave in Nigeria, when they slam you one tax bill like this, that maybe five years of your business, you have not made that revenue, and they'll tell you that that's their estimated tax. Of course, you're looking for, please, who knows what tax official? I need to make a few phone calls, because I'm not going to pay this tax. <laughs> Do you understand? And that's how you compromise. Financial troubles. Is it your career? Wicked bosses and toxic workplaces. What about relationships that make no sense? And you're wondering why you're there. Spousal issues, spousal infidelity, domestic violence, sickness, poverty. It just never ends. Sometimes you can have one person have all of these things all at the same time. Sometimes you can have someone have two or three. When you finish your own story, they'll say, ah, my case is not that bad. Let me just be going. <laughs> I remember one day, a friend of mine had come. Pastor Mary was she came to see. So I came, I had a meeting with you. I was waiting to see you. And then she also came to see Pastor Mo. So we got talking. And I said, ah, what are you here? She said, ah, she came to see Pastor Mo. That, ah, she's about to leave her job. I said, why? She said, ah, they've not paid her salary. That the last month they delayed her salary till I think she said the 10th. And this month was now on the 10th again. They've delayed salary again. So she's like, ah. She's wondering that these people, what's going on here? What's the Lord saying to me? Maybe perhaps it's a sign that I need to be exiting. So I said to her, he's not ready for you. Do you have time? She said, yes. I said, sit down. <laughs> I told her, as you see me here, they've not paid me for nine months. <laughs> true word. True. The company had issues. The client, you know, we have one big client that is your B, your B or end So please, business people, please diversify your portfolio. One client, big contract, you now fall out to the client. The client warned you that in a boxing round, there are nine. <laughs> there are nine rounds. Are you ready? <laughs> you thought it was a joke. They canceled all your contracts. Then they sat on all the invoices of the contracts that the ones, the life ones, then the thing that was the contention still sat on it. So now companies own you maybe in the regions of maybe $5 million. Maybe your total revenue of the company is maybe that five, maybe $5.2 million. How are you going to pay salaries? How are you going to pay uh, vendors? So they hadn't paid me salary in nine months. But because me, I know how to just arrange myself. I'm still looking very all right. So nobody knew. By the time I was done, she said, you know what? 
I'm sure you know what she said. <laughs> she said, there's no need to see Pastor Mo. Let me, let me just be going. <laughs> My problem is not that big. <laughs> she said, you're still all right. You're still here laughing. I said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do? And I said, this sad part of it is, again, as a Christian, I don't even have permission from God to go yet. I'm very obedient. It makes no sense, but I don't even have permission to leave. So, so I went, this, this story, I went to EFCC on this matter. Four hours interrogation at EFCC. After a while, the guy just said, oh, we don't like arresting women. They have, <laughs> he said, they have too much drama. You won't get anything from them. They tell me to write statement. I said, statement of what? What did I do? I said, it's not me that is owing. <laughs> The person you are looking for is not around. They say, just write, just write. Okay, they canceled uh, accused. I think they say accused statement. They changed it to witness. I said, witness to what? <laughs> I said, wait, though. Me, I have political ambition. She after now. One person without bring it out. <laughs> I say, in 2009, ESCC arrested her for money laundering. <laughs> I refused. I was ready to wait though. If I had to sleep there, I wasn't going to try that statement. You guys say this is why we don't like arresting women. Too much drama. Do you understand? Problems every single day. So do you know what? Legitimately, you have a real excuse to be down in the dumps. You have a real excuse to stay broken, to stay sad, to stay angry all the time. There's a frown on your face, miserable. There are more than enough reasons for you to be that way. But what does the Lord say? What is the Lord saying? And why, why, you know, why then is there such a huge desire for all of us to, to try and keep a certain persona, be a certain way? We're told how to look. Um, don't dress like this. Don't speak like this. Stand tall. Make sure all of these worldly standards contribute to also giving us a lot of stress. Some of us are quite happy, quite frankly, to live in the village, live a simple life. But you'll be told that you are not ambitious. Some of us are quite happy to do basic jobs that just pay us the barest minimum. But our peace of mind is intact. But somebody will tell us, you're not serious. What if that's what God asks you to do? Some of us are quite happy to wear slippers, t-shirts, and just go around or stand here like this. If people disturb us some more, until he started wearing a suit. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> do you understand? He's quite happy to wear his tight jeans and his t-shirts and preach with his own heart and soul. <laughs> They won't allow you because of the standards of the world. Because we think that if we are a particular way, we speak a particular way, we dress a particular way, speak a particular way, we can attain the good things of life. Private jets, you know, luxury homes, first class, you know, all of those things. And they are good. Ah, 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 those things are sweet. Hey, God. They are sweet. They are good. And so you feel, yeah, the cactus on the thousand hills belong to my father, man. Solomon was the richest man in the earth, and he had all of those things. And we use all those scriptures to validate why we are attaining the things of the world and conforming to the standards of the world that so that we can get a little bit of what the world has got to offer us. Not realizing that two plus two is four. Same as 8 minus 4. Same as 6 minus 2. Same as... Thank you. Th thank you. Thank you. 12 divided by 3. So basically, with God, there are no formulas. There are no formulas. There are no formulas. There are many ways to get there. In God, many ways. God can bless me, bless five people in this room with the same thing in five different ways because he is, he can. He is God. So why are we following a script that the world wrote? 
Why are we conforming to the things of the world and saying, because Dr. Esther did it like this, that's exactly how I'm going to do it. Not knowing that he gave her a special strategy and instruction in the middle of the night that she's living out. And you are not equipped for that same thing he's asked her to do. You don't have the same life experiences as her. You don't have the same background. You don't have the same assignment, the same calling. You don't. And so you will follow the script that God gave her. And they'll teach us in business schools. I always tell them, when you finish all that business school, eh? When you come to Nigeria, come and make you work. <laughs> That's why we have churches and we continue to have churches. not going to end. Because our problems are plenty. Do you understand? All of those man-made strategies, they're rubbish. They make no sense. Anything that we are doing outside of God... We will attain a certain measure of success. Don't get me wrong. Because he made the laws of nature. And there are just some certain things that will happen. Someone was saying to me, are you saying that it's only believers that God bless? And I said, not at all. Not at all. First of all, God made all of us. And he loves each and every one of us, regardless of where we are in our relationship with him. But if I go to school and I make a first class in a decent university and I'm well presented, I don't think I'll turn up to any organization looking for a job and my CV will not be looked at a second time, right? So I will, I will get a job. I'm going to end up in a job of some sort and I'll be okay and comfortable. But does that mean that that was God's perfect plan for me? Does that mean that, that do you understand? No, it doesn't mean. So there are many, again, there are many ways to get somewhere. So we keep on following all of these world standards that then end up messing with our minds. So we're constantly comparing ourselves with our peers, looking at people around us and saying they've done this and they've done that. It never, ever ends. And these are the things that end up messing with our mind on a day-to-day basis because of these comparisons in the flesh that we are making. And so... We are reminded of scriptures that says in Romans 12, and that's actually probably the only scripture for this short message. It says that we should not be conformed to this world. Very clear instruction. The same world that he made, all the things inside of it, all the people, the same God said, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that every single day, every single moment, we have to refresh our mind. When that negative thought comes in your ear that tells you you're not good enough, you replace it with the word of the Lord that says you were made in my image and my likeness, therefore you are like God. When that word tells you that you are ill in your mind and in your body. You will say, by his stripes, I am healed. When that word says, you will not amount to anything. You will say, I will fulfill the volume of the books that have been written about me. Lord, I'll do your will. When that word says that you are never going to, you know, your, your marriage will never work. You will be reminded, you'll be reminded that God is the one at the center of it all. And that he's able, that a watchman watches in vain, except the Lord watches. And so you take it to God and ask him, watch over my children. Watch over my family. Watch over my spouse. When the enemy comes at you with a word that is contrary to what the word of the Lord is saying, you would arise and hear what the Lord is saying on this side. So it's a constant battle to renew your mind on a day-to-day basis. The enemy will attack even this morning. Before I got here, he was whispering lies in my ears. He was telling me things. He said, do you know that perhaps this, what about this? This is why this may have happened. But constantly whispering in my ears. And I'll say to him, be quiet. Be quiet. Peace. Be still. I said, peace. Be still. When he says someone that is close to me, someone that I love, a friend, a family member, has hurt me, I will say to him, get behind me, Satan. It is a family matter. I will resolve it as a family. 
on a day-to-day basis the enemy will come at you at me right after this message he will tell you something negative he would let your mind spin into paranoia about something he will take a small thing and magnify the impact in your life to get you to the place of pain and depression so you must be constantly conscious of the fact that he's just ready and waiting to pounce you constantly renew your mind and then he says so that you'll be able to test and approve what is good pleasing and the perfect will of God for your life and that may draw many men onto him his plan is to take you away from the perfect will of God his plan is to show you an imitation of what a life should look like not the perfect plan that God has for your life many of us are running a race that is an it's a it's a dupe of what our lives should truly look like many of us will weep when we see the great and grandiose plans that God had for our life and when I say great and grandiose I am not speaking about wealth because it's easy for our minds to go to that place that I was supposed to be a billionaire but because of the witches in my village somehow they prevented it no many times we are the very architects of our inability to get to the center of God and what he has asked us to do because we have let the devil mess with our minds but today the Lord is saying no more while we cannot we cannot stop his fiery attacks but we will be ready and fortified for when that trouble comes will arise and say I see you I know what you are trying to do and I'm renewing my mind with the word of the Lord I am standing upon his promises I am standing upon his scriptures do you not know that I was made in the image and the likeness of God how dare you come near me get behind me Satan the Lord is on my side and when you do not have the words and then you start to pray God help me God help me in the day of trouble come to my help I call upon your name my father who is like unto you oh God you are beautiful beyond description you are able to do this I lay this at your feet my father help me help me and when you cannot say the words you just say Jesus help me Jesus help me Jesus help me help me help me help me help me I can't do this on my own help me help me God help me I will not leave you until you help me help me God do not let me alone do not forsake me oh God and you cry out to him the one who's able to deliver you from the plans of the enemy you cry out until his help comes you cry out because his strength is made perfect in your weakness you cry out because you're inviting him into your life to take center stage you cry out until he helps because in our own strength we are not able to do this in our own strengths we cannot we cannot overcome the plans of the enemy in our own strength our minds are weak and feeble we can't do this oh god and so this morning lord we ask for your help oh god help us oh god help us help us help us And so, on a day-to-day basis, we set our minds on the things above and not the things that are on the earth. The things on the earth are very fickle. The friendships of men, very fickle. Wait until you day you offend the person who has done you something of favor. And you see them pull that favor away from you. 
or speak a negative word against you. When we have relied on men for our success, we've relied on men for our joy, for our happiness. We've relied on men for the things that we hunger after. The second somebody knows your Achilles heel, they're coming after it. It takes only somebody who is truly in God to stay away from your pain points and from your challenges and from your weaknesses. When we are dealing with the world, the second they know your Achilles heel, they're coming for it. They're coming for it. When it really matters, they'll tell you, I have to look out for myself. I have a family. I have to look out for my family. Then you see the selfishness of even ourselves arise because we are but broken people working out our salvation with fear and trembling on a daily basis with God. None of us have attained, not yet. We're all on that journey. And so this morning, we'll set our minds on the things of God. We'll set our minds on heaven. We'll set our minds on the glory of the kingdom. We'll set our minds on repentance. We'll set our minds on restoration of sons of God back to their father. We'll set our minds on the things that matter. For everything else is sinking sand. Everything else everything else for those who according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit and so I say to someone to people if I own something that I love so much that I have to treat it with so much care and respect then I don't want it I don't want it I've seen someone throw a tantrum because her bag was placed on the floor. Not thrown to the floor. Somebody needed to sit down. A human being needed to sit down. And they took the bag and placed it on the floor. And she threw a tantrum and ah, it's just a bag. Someone can steal it. The letter can go ah, moth, rot, decay, whatever. A human being needed to sit down then I don't want it. I don't care. It doesn't validate me. I don't care. We've got to learn to set our things on God. And I'm not saying that those things are not important. I'm not saying we shouldn't look great. I'm not saying we shouldn't own things. But when we get to the place where those things become the motive behind every single thing that we do and keeps us awake at night, not because we are praying, not because we are interceding, not because we had someone's child is sick and we are staying awake to pray, not because we are hearing that there are problems that need to be resolved in the body of Christ, but because we are plotting and scheming how we are going to make the next morning for those material possessions, it is but sinking sand. It is but sinking sand. And the day the Lord will come for us, we will stand before him in judgment, each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. And so now, if something starts to become an obsession, that is when I'll make a determined effort not to get that thing. I will make a concerted effort not to get it. Not to get it, because I will not live by flesh by the spirit of God until I discipline my mind to the place where it's just a thing it's not important I would deny myself of that thing the coaches will come and tell us I was telling you earlier about you know following the likes of Anthony Robbins and for a long time I'd stopped following him but then in 2020 he had this um comeback challenge so it was we you know that whole season of how do we come back from covid businesses have closed down people's businesses need to pivot all of those things some of you need to think of new businesses so he had this massive <clears throat> i can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of people were on this challenge quite a lot of people across different channels it was so the energy was electrifying that's the word electrifying in fact his hype men, the, the what, what would I call them? The, the, the coaches that work with him even before he comes, they themselves are enough. You, you'll be all right with just them. You don't even need him. Electrifying, they charged up the atmosphere with their words. Everyone is hey, buzzing, buzzing in the comment section, tuning in on time. And then he came and he came and started talking. 
my sister and I was on that on that coaching um, call. <sighs> Halfway into day one, we were like, "Wow, <laughs> there's nothing here that is not in scripture. Not one word, not one sentence. The one in the middle was an actual excerpt from that session. Change your story. Change your life. Is that not the story of Jabez? Oh Lord, that you increase me and enlarge my territory. This is no longer enough. I want more. And he changed. There's all kinds of things like, um, I'm trying to see it on the, on the screen. It says all kinds of things like, um, so much right behind me. Oh, it's clear right here. Okay. Um, the past does not predict the future. Yeah. Behold, I do. For every line that he said, the Holy Spirit gave me the scripture. The ones I did not know the exact place, I'll run a search and it will come up. Every single line, there was not one thing that was outside of the scriptures. So why do we disdain the word of God? Why do we disdain ministers? Why do we disdain pastors? Why don't we, why don't we take the words that they speak that are inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit when we are dealing with things that are affecting our minds but we are happy to pay thousands of dollars to coaches and to psychiatrists because the devil wants us to take away God from the mix See, anything without God is tree of knowledge of good and evil. Thank you, P.I. You see why I'm happy when there are pastors in the house? They used to help to finish your words. No, seriously. Everything outside of God, you cannot do it in your own without God. All they do is that they take the word of the Lord, they strip out anything that says God, Jesus, faith, belief, anything that sounds Christianese. And then they'll say it in words that the world can receive, that secular can receive. I bet they have every version of the Bible. I bet they have every concordance that is there out there. I bet they read the Bible cover to cover more than me and you. Then they strip out God and offer it to us. And then we wonder why there's no true transformation in our minds. We wonder why the problem persists. We wonder why there's no change. Because God is the missing factor in that mix. Have you ever had a problem? You go to Google. You run every search. By the time you are done, you feel worse than before you started. And then you know that, Omar, this one is prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Last, last. Last, last. Because all the known strategies will fall apart for a time and season may appear to work and give you some kind of temporary relief but eventually it keeps reoccurring over and over and over again until we come to the place where we say thus far because now God is in the mix and so what are we required to do what would the Lord have us do the first thing you must know is this awareness and I pray that today if anything that today was was just an awareness for each of us to know that the battlefield is your mind the enemy is not doing any truth with you whether or not you like it he has carried you into that battle you don't have a choice you can't be crying and telling him leave me now leave me alone now you have to get up and fight that battle so when you are aware that every single day, the day you gave your life, the day you decided that I'm consecrated to Christ, the day you decided I'm going to attempt to even see what this God is about. You have not even reached the likes of them, Pastor PIO. You are even just saying, let me even try and see what this God is about. The battle starts from there. Do you know that prior to me becoming born again, I had a reputation for, I used to tell people, all I need to do is think it. I don't even need to voice Guinea. I think that's going too far. Think. Once I think a thing, I promise you, right, right before my eyes, the thing will happen. Every area of my life, oh, I'm talking about things like serious and unserious things. I'm talking about things like being posted to Kanu. I looked at the list. I said, me, NYC in Kanu. It's not going to happen. It did not reach two weeks. They said they saw NYC director in River State. 
was a long time friend of my mother that had not seen her in 20 something years so when she saw my name she did the math and said this must be Cecilia's daughter because she should have a daughter about this age she removed my name from Kano into River State I mean come on not a dime no phone call that's how me and God used to roll <laughs> the day I said that's it I have decided to follow Jesus <laughs> I will pray I will pray I will pray I will bow <laughs> my head on the floor I will cry I will shout I will threaten I will gather um, other people to join me and pray the matter <laughs> so that, I, I thought it was supposed to now be <laughs> what I didn't realize <laughs> that it wasn't God that was making it more difficult it was the enemy <laughs> that now decided to camp in my backyard do you understand so whether or not you like it you will fight that battle so please be aware there is nothing like God forbid on this matter Amen? When you are now aware, you refuse to conform to the standards of the world. So you start to check your life on a day-to-day basis. Where am I conforming to the standards of the world? Where am I following the script that the world has written out for me? What is God's position on this matter? What is God saying on this matter? I stayed in a job once for three and a half years where I used to cry every day. I wanted out so bad. But I didn't have his permission to leave. I wanted out so bad. God, like so, to, to, to the point where my family members asked me, are you related to the owners of this business? Because we, we are not related to them. So we need to understand. But I did not have God's permission. So you need to start, and it, so it didn't make sense. You are a professional, you have worked, you have experience. Surely you can get another job. Why are you here? But I was obedient. And I was refusing to follow the script of everybody else, which was what? Get up and go. Things are going bad in Nigeria. Get up and jackpa. One day I said to someone, I think I missed a memo. Because number of people that are exiting, I was like, ah, am I, did there something that they, they circulated somewhere that maybe I didn't check my mail? Even people that I thought were giving me hope were making plans to exit. We will not follow the script of the world. We won't. If God says you can go, you go. You will have his blessing. But if God says you stay here, you stay and try and make sense of why God has asked you to stay here because the blessing is not in the location it's in the man do you understand but if God says be going be going please do not be like Lord's wife pack your bag and be gone that very day don't say all my friends are gone so I too must go if not I'm not sensible we'll listen for God for God is always speaking to us every single moment of our life. The problem is that because we have heard the world so much, we've stopped understanding the voice of God when we hear it. And we start to second guess the voice of God. But how do you know the voice of God? It edifies. It inspires. It encourages. It's for the greater good of all. It brings hope. It's not the easiest option sometimes. But it glorifies his name. And brings men to God. So we must learn to constantly listen for God in the midst of the troubles. In the middle of the troubles. One day I wanted to teach about the audacity of grace. Which I will still teach later. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, you wanted to teach a message that you knew nothing about. He said no. I would, he, he said to me, you will learn what it truly means to extend grace and understanding and forgiveness. Only then would you be equipped to teach it. So God is always speaking in the midst of our troubles. People say, I don't hear God. You hear him quieting the things around you and his voice will be magnified quieting the things and noise around you his voice will be magnified hear the word of the Lord from that person that does not look like someone who should be telling you don't judge the measure and the weightiness of the word by the reputation of the minister or the size of his ministry 
learn to receive the word of God from wherever. After all, is it not the same God that caused the donkey to speak? Transform your minds on a day-to-day basis. But one powerful tool is to testify. Every milestone in God, you testify. For he says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and for the word of our testimony. And so when things happen to us and we say, you want to keep it quiet. That was a trick the enemy used for me for a very long time. I would see things happening to me, for me. And because I'm very conscious of the people around me, I'll be silent about it. I would not understand and realize that perhaps my story is what will inspire them to still believe that God is able Perhaps my self-preservation and being somewhat introverted and being somewhat, you know, private. I would say, no, 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 it's not important. Not realizing that that's the message. But yet, when the bad things are going on, one bad thing will be magnified. And then everybody will believe that that's how it is everywhere. You don't hear about the good marriages. You don't hear about the, the spouses that honor each other. You don't hear about the spouses that treat each other with love, respect, and dignity. You don't hear about the spouses where mother and father are working together to raise godly children, to try and keep themselves consecrated. But you will hear about that man that's sleeping with somebody in his office. And then you say, all men are... All men are not scum. 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 And so for those of you with good marriages, perhaps it's time you start speaking up. Perhaps it's time nobody will take your husband away or your wife away. Perhaps it's time you start showing people a different way. That it is possible. It is possible. That even when you made a mistake, this is how you found your way back in God. You show people the way, how you guys recalibrated, how you got back to the place of purity and consecration. Perhaps it's time to start speaking up, to show people an alternative to what the enemy has tried to magnify. And so, prayer, when there are calls for prayer, even when you don't feel like praying, just sit on that prayer call many times I don't feel like praying many times I'm angry with God many times I'm asking him questions I'm asking him why did you let my friend's husband die at 45 why she left a widow with four kids under 12 but I will stay on that prayer call until peace seeps into my heart until I come to the place where I say you know what God is still God even when you don't feel like praying even when you don't have the words stay there even when you don't understand the scripture that you are reading you might not have the layers and layers and layers of depth of understanding like the likes of Pastor Nigel or Pastor Moses but even the little that you have is sufficient for that moment God judges intent and as you continuously meditate on that word day and night day and night one day you see something and say oh my god why didn't i ever see this before you modif- where do we know the songs the words of secular songs i, I saw people I, I there's a something going around what's it called they take talk something where people are practicing for asakes concerts in december they are with paper and pen they are writing the lyrics and they are practicing because they said they won't be able to sing every single thing so that everybody um, so even non-Yoruba people can now speak Yoruba because of him how many times have we held one scripture one scripture and say I will memorize this scripture today until I know it until it sits inside of my spirit until in the day of trouble it will bubble up in my spirit the word of the Lord does not lie it doesn't lie write it on the etch it on your heart it says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path can you go in darkness without light you will stumble and fall the word of the Lord 
worship. In the place of worship, there is healing. In the place of worship, there is repentance. In the place of worship, there is consolation. In the place of worship, you are exonerating God. You are exalting Him above every situation and every circumstance and everything that you're going through. Can we learn to worship? Can we not wait for the hills? Can we go online and find resources and worship when your heart is troubled? So when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock. For when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That is higher than I. Your days went from morning to night. For when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That is higher than I. If that's the only line you know, you sing it until you believe it. You sing it until it bubbles in your spirit. You sing it until you are on that rock that is higher than that problem, that situation and that circumstance. You sing it until it makes sense. When the things are contrary, you are saying, see what the Lord has done. He hasn't done it. You're saying, see what the Lord has done. What we people are laughing and saying what's she talking about what did he do you are still the same person nothing has changed but you are stepped into the future because God is in the future and you are still standing in the present and in the past meanwhile God has moved ahead of you and he's standing there and saying what are you doing there for how long are you going to be circling that mountain come on get up and come and meet me here so you say see what the Lord has done even though he has not done it you don't think he has done it so you fake it until you make it you fake it until you make it that's what faith is it's to call the things that be not as though they are you call the things that be not as though they are has come to pass see what the Lord has so that child is sick you're saying yes see what the Lord has done that spouse is misbehaving you say see what the Lord has done. you still don't have a job you say what we So finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. That's how you renew your mind. That's how you renew your mind because it's an inside job. And so even though your outside does not look that way, you do that until you come to the place where you have the victory that God already promised you. And so this morning, if the enemy has messed with your mind, he has played a trick on you. You have dealt with any of these issues. You have dealt with depression. You have dealt with doubt, anxiety, panic attacks. Everything, justified or not. Just stand up so that Pastor Mo can pray. And Pastor Nigel, please, can you pray for the house, please? Or you can just sit wherever you are and just lay your hands on your Thanks chest. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 